As we have journeyed through our reflections on the Apostles' Creed, we have focused up to this point on who God is. You know where we have been. I believe in God the Father Almighty, and then I believe in Jesus Christ, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. Today we venture into a core attribute of God and of our faith. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Uh, It was Pope Francis that just uh, at his uh, first day in his position of leadership as, as Pope spoke from the Vatican and he spoke such words of wisdom. He spoke that the message of Jesus is mercy. And in fact, he went on to emphasize this by saying, This is his strongest message. You and I don't seem to always get that message. And I'm grateful that there is a world leader that is calling our attention to the importance of mercy and forgiveness as being an essential part of the Christian faith. In fact, it is, in my mind, the defining nature of what love within the Christian faith is all about. There are passages of Scripture that can uh, misalign us. Uh, In fact, some that become downright difficult to understand. When you hear the words from Psalm 139, what is it that comes to your mind? Oh, that you would kill the wicked, O God, and that the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you for evil. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Some people get stuck in this kind of thinking and they find no way beyond their thoughts about their enemies than to simply think of ways in which to bring them to a worse place than they are today by calling upon God in order that they might be damned, not blessed, but damned. Archaeologists, I know, are discovering new things each day as they dig through uh, the grounds over in the Middle East, particularly in the Holy Land, And I found it interesting to read recently that some archaeologists discovered a well that was probably 2,500 years old. And at the bottom of that well, it was interesting because this well was evidently a wishing well of sorts. I was in a mall recently and near the the fountain in the mall, and there were several people that were sitting around the edge of it. And I saw one fellow that kept tossing pennies into, into the water. And I was thinking, I bet with every penny that he tosses, he's making a wish. Have you ever done that before? By tossing pennies into a fountain. This well that the archaeologists discovered was a curse well. Because at the bottom of the well, they discovered the entire bottom of the well was, was covered with little pieces of metal on which there had been inscribed curses to people's enemies. 
They had not discovered anything like it before, but they thought to themselves, this was an interesting, evil wishing well. Now, it may be that you think to yourself, I need one of those. (laughs) And you might think the best way to get rid of that that evil is to write it down and to make it even, even, even more important, you know, by giving it over to a wish. But you have to be very careful with that because this way of thinking is not Christ's way of thinking at all, is it? In fact, Jesus, as he was speaking to his disciples, um, what is gathered for us, these thoughts in the Sermon on the Mount, He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. There's a depth of mercy in that, a sense of forgiveness in those very words. You know that the Psalms are filled with all sorts of expressed emotions. And perhaps the thing that we need to do is to remember so well in our minds that in Psalm 51, the psalmist is crying out to God for the forgiveness of his soul, his life. Do you remember the words? Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You see, It seems that the psalmist even has a hard time putting this type of action that we ask of God into effect toward others that have offended him. You have felt this before in your own life, haven't you? This desire that God would forgive you. This is not meant to sound partisan in any way. And in fact, I I keep our president, uh, particularly in my prayers, and uh, hope that uh, as we move into these next four years that God will use him in effective ways to do things that are good for all of the U.S. and for the world as well. But it was interesting that just about a year ago that during the time when he was running for president that a reporter came and asked a question that would have seemed simple, and yet it became very complex. He was asked the question, have you ever asked God for forgiveness? And with just a little bit of a pause, he answered it saying, I'm not sure I have. I just go and try to do a better job from there. Now, of course, you can imagine how the press jumped on this and how Christian leaders particularly were want to, to think, how can this be the case? And so he was called on the carpet and he explained uh, what he was meaning in saying this. And I'm not pointing the finger at Trump, lest somebody think that I'm doing that. I'm not pointing the finger at Trump. What I'm, what I'm saying is that Trump is evidence of the culture in which you and I live. Donald Trump's inability to answer that question in a way that you and I would expect that he might be able to is not evidence of his inability, but perhaps evidence of our inability as well to go before the Lord and to ask for forgiveness. 
In fact, the question that I would raise would be not have you ever asked God for forgiveness, but have you asked God for forgiveness today? Have you asked God for forgiveness today for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God? And that is daily. Jesus said, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Is this a daily occurrence that you are going before the Lord and asking for his forgiveness? We need to be aware of our own sinfulness lest we so quickly forget. Do you remember what the sermon series was before this sermon series that we are in? I'm not gonna put you to that test. I'm gonna tell you that it was on the seven deadly sins, right? The seven deadly sins as we considered the matters of lust and gluttony and greed and sloth and anger and envy and pride and these things that are such a mark on our lives that have hold of us and do such damage. You and I should be a confessing people. And this is the nature of God that is read in the scripture that Darty shared with us this morning. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. And this is good news for us, because if we were to suffer under the weight of those things that we were doing wrong, you and I would never make it to God's gracious spirit. And God's gracious spirit has something else in mind for us, that we would be lifted to new heights and lift others to new heights that have not yet even been imagined. Timothy Jones, in his book, The Art of Prayer, says, most of us have a sea of guilt. We are not always aware of it, but when we do something wrong, anything, the waves of remorse wash over us. And yet that is episodic. It is something that should be daily for us, that we are a confessing people. It used to be that you would see bumper stickers on cars, honk if you love Jesus. Do y'all remember that one? Honk if you love Jesus. And then somebody came up with the good one to follow on that. Anyone can honk, tithe if you love Jesus. That's a good one. (laughs) And I want to suggest that somebody should come up with another bumper sticker that says anyone can honk, forgive if you love Jesus. Forgive if you love Jesus. Because this is what we are called not only to receive, but we are called to give as well. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago as we were sharing conversation through the service about the Holy Spirit And in the sermon, I mentioned that Jesus had appeared to his disciples after his resurrection from the dead, uh, mysteriously behind locked doors. And as he shared with them in that place, he breathed on them. You remember that? He breathed on them and said, uh, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said, forgive the sins. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. But then he said something very important for us to remember. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. That puts a lot of power in our hands. He entrusts this to us. And you know how this works. 
You know how disabling it can be not to be forgiven of your sins. If somebody has something against you and you know that, for them not to say something in order to free you from that is just so terribly burdensome. And in fact, if we have something against someone else, if we have done something to offend somebody else, if we have done something to offend God, if forgiveness does not come to be a part of our lives, there is so much else that is controlled by that guilt. You remember that Peter came to Jesus and said, okay, so how many times are we to forgive? Seven times? Jesus said, no, make that seven times 70. In fact, there is this unlimited idea that God never tires of forgiving. You and I tire, but God's nature, God's nature at its very heart is always to forgive. You remember even Jesus on the cross looked down at those that had crucified him who were in the process of putting him to death. And what did he say? Father, forgive them. Say this with me. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is the very heart of God speaking this. I believe in the forgiveness of sins and I know that you do too. I believe in the forgiveness of my own sins and I believe in the forgiveness of the sins of those others, particularly those that need forgiveness that I can establish that pathway to God. I encourage you to think about this in the coming days of this week. In just a few moments, we will share together in our Lord's Prayer and we will say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I've got a question for you. Who is it that you need to forgive? Who is it that you need to forgive? Is this something that has been a burden in your life? You know Christ calls us to himself and gives to us complete forgiveness. As we gather at his table, make plans to forgive those that you need to forgive in order that you will understand more completely how God forgives you.